Well, I'm glad you're here. If you're glad to be here, would you say amen? I'm glad you're here, and I hope our service will be a blessing to you tonight. How many of you brought your Bible? Will you hold up the Bible all over the building? And let me ask you, if you will, to take your Bible down and open it to the book of 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 1. 2 Timothy, chapter 1, that's page number 1,279, if you have an old Schofield Bible, all right? 1,279. I'd like to read some verses here in just a moment. Boy, I want to encourage you to pray for our services this Lord's Day, and let's ask the Lord to give us a good day on our church buses and Pray for a good day and baptisms and people being saved and a good number in attendance. We had a great crowd Sunday morning. I don't know where everybody come from. I think everybody just finally one of them Sundays, everybody showed up. But uh, we had a good crowd and praise the Lord and looking forward to a good day this Sunday. Let's see, the weather. I think I've already saw the weather. It's supposed to be 95 and uh, sunny. And so I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, it's not. But it, it'll, yeah, I'll tell you what. It'll either be sunshiny or cloudy one. And so uh, uh, we'll just take it to whatever it comes like, right? And uh, so anyway, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Can I tell you this? I heard about this man went to a pet store one time, and, and he walked in, and the guy, you know, owned pet store greeted him and said, to, you know, talk, made small talk. And then he said, uh, well, he said, if you don't mind, sir, I think I'll just browse around a little bit. And he did. He just started kind of walking up and down the aisle. And he went down this one aisle, and there was a parrot sitting in the cage, and uh, he walked by that cage, and that parrot said, hey, you, and that man said, what? He said, uh, you ugly, and you fat, and you bald. Well, that man said, huh. Man, he was just taken back by all that, so he went up there and found the owner of the store. He said, man, one of your birds back there just insulted me. He said, I was big and fat and ugly and bald. He said, oh, I'm so sorry. He said, I know which one that was. Wait right here, sir. And he went back there and reached in, grabbed that little parrot out, smacked it, feathers flying everywhere, throwed it back in the cage, said, now shut up, keep your mouth shut. He went up there and he said, sir, I'm so sorry. That won't happen again. And he said, okay. So he just started kind of browsing again, went right back down that aisle that bird was at sitting in that cage. And he walked by that bird in that cage and said, hey, mister, he said, what? That bird said, you know what. <laughs> and can I tell you all this? Brother Mark knows what. <laughs> you know what. All right, let's read 2 Timothy. Let, let me read verse 1 and following. Just leave your Bibles open and follow me through this, if you will. Look at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, if you'll notice, that's one sentence. Two verses, but just one sentence. Then he said this in verse number 3, I thank God. He said, boy, I just want to thank God. And I think he literally, what he does... Verse 3 is he kind of just burst into praying a little bit. And he said, I just want to thank God. And then he thanks God. He starts talking about Timothy, the one he's writing to in verse 3. And he said, I thank God, whom I served from my forefathers with pure conscience. Without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee, talking to Timothy, in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in my grandmother Lois 
and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in, that, uh, that in thee also. Now jump to verse 7. Verse 7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Now I'm going to deal with verse 6 next week, so I skipped that one this week. But that's reading those first six verses. Leave your Bibles open. Let's talk about this together. Father, thank you for the good word of God. Thank you for letting us be together on this Wednesday night. And I pray, and I'll not preach a long time, but I pray you'd speak to us tonight. And just may our hearts, may you touch our hearts about these things that I'll talk about here in a moment. You put on my heart, and I pray that you'd use them, Lord, to help us to understand this is where we ought to be as the people of God. Bless your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you think back to a couple of weeks ago, you may remember that I started a brand new series of sermons on Wednesday nights from the New Testament book of 2 Timothy. And I'm calling this series of sermons, I'm calling it a manual for maturity. A manual for maturity. You know, if there's one thing that God makes perfectly clear uh, in the Word of God when it comes to His desires for His people, for His children, it is that God wants us to grow and mature in our walk with Him. His words to us in the form of a command are these, but grow in grace and in knowledge of, the Lord, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're commanded by God to grow in grace, to mature in grace. Now when we come into the family, we all come in as newborn babes, every last one of us. If you're 95 years old and you get saved tonight, you will come into God's family in God's sight as a newborn babe. And we're told that newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that they may grow thereby. But always remember that God doesn't intend for us to stay newborn babes in His family. Just as when a newborn babe comes into a, our family, there's a lot of excitement. Boy, it's exciting when a new baby comes into the family. I mean, it's wonderful, isn't it? All those 2 o'clock feedings and 3 o'clock changes. and Boy, it's just a wonderful life, isn't it? To have children born in your family. But uh, they don't stay children long, do they? They're babies. They start growing and maturing. And before you know it, you're walking them down an aisle, giving them to some old somebody that ain't worth nothing. Ain't you? I mean, really, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're giving them away to somebody, and you raised them, put all that money in them just to turn right around and give them to somebody and not get a dime back. But you don't stay a child, do you? Baby, you grow. And that's the same way it is when we come into God's family. Salvation is the starting point, the starting point for our relationship with God. But always remember, it's not the stopping place. God expects us to move on. If you have moved into God's family, God wants us to move on in the family. And that's really what this book is all about. It's all about uh, maturing in our walk with God. Timothy, as of 2 Timothy, is no longer the struggling young pastor of the church of, uh, of Ephesus. He's no longer following in the footsteps of the Apostle Paul. He's no longer a young man dealing with an older congregation. As of the writing of this book now, he's probably a middle-aged man. He's doing some evangelistic work in and around the city of Ephesus. And last time, as we kind of opened up this book, we looked at that very first sentence, verse 1, verse 2, one sentence, and we, we are told the three people that this book is all about. Remember, we, we, we are told, number one, about the old man who is the writer. 
the old man who was the writer. Look at verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. A little bit later, over in the book of Philemon, verse 9, only one chapter, verse 9, Paul calls himself Paul the Aged. And Paul is an old man now by, 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 by terms of that day. He was probably 66 or 67 years old, and he's an old man now. He has lived his life for the Lord. He has been sentenced to die, and as this book comes to a close, Paul will actually lay his head down on the block of the guillotine and lose his life. He'll give his life for the cause of Christ. So what we have here, in reality, is not only, uh, as we read this book, we're not only reading the letter, the mail of the Apostle Paul, but we're also reading his last words because this is the last book that he'll, die, he'll write before he dies. So this book is about the old man, who's the writer, but it's also about the young man, who's the reader. Because he goes on to say in verse number 2, To Timothy, my dearly beloved son. Timothy now is probably in his 30s, and he's Paul's son in the faith. Paul has led Timothy to the Lord many years ago on his second missionary journey when he went into the coast of Iconium and Lystra and Derbe. And Paul preached the word of God, and this young man by the name of Timothy gets saved by the grace of God. And these two, Paul and Timothy, boy, they hit it off. I mean, man, from here on out, they're two peas in a pod. They're traveling together. They're preaching together. And boy, I want to tell you something. They have a great, a great relationship. In fact, Paul once said this about his son in the faith by the name of Timothy. In Philippians 2, verse number 20, notice this first phrase. Paul said this, writing about Timothy, he said, For I have no man like-minded. Now, that would be our way of saying, Boy, I can't think of anybody any better than so-and-so. Boy, I'll tell you what, when it comes to so-and-so, there's none better. And Paul said, when it comes to Timothy, I have no man like-minded. You know, I don't know what it is, but those converts that you win in your own personal relationship, uh, they become some of the best friends you'll ever have in this walk of life. And you've led people to the Lord, I'm sure I have, that have gone on to become some of my closest friends. And, and that's seemingly what happened between Paul and Timothy. So here we got the old man, who's the writer, the young man, who's the reader, but then there's the God-man, who is the center. If you'll look back in verse number 1 and verse 2, Paul mentions Jesus three different times. You see, this book, in reality, is all about Jesus. You know, the Bible, in reality, is all about Jesus. I mean, buddy, he is the theme and the subject, the center and the circumference of the entire Bible. It's all about Jesus. That's why we ought to be about Jesus. I mean, buddy, if people come to our church and we don't point them to Jesus, we have failed to do our job. It is all about Jesus. So now we have been introduced to the people of this book. But now we're going to leave the people and we're going to look at the prayer. Because join me now in verse number 3, and Paul says this, I, I thank God. So it almost sounds like to me that Paul just kind of burst into praying now. I thank God. You know, Paul said this before when it comes to the subject of prayer. Look up on the screen. He said this, to pray without ceasing. And I guess Paul is practicing a little bit of what he's preached. And Paul just breaks into prayer and says, Lord, I just, God, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for this young man by the name of Timothy. He drops right down in verse number 3 and he says this, Hey, Timothy, I just want you to know that I pray for you night 
and day. Night and day, you're always in my prayers. You know, I appreciate all the kindness of our church members. Occasionally, I'll get a card or uh, 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 something in the mail, maybe a letter in the mail or an email, as the case may be. And uh, then I sometimes, folks in our church will bring me a gift, maybe a cake or a gift card or uh, uh, something along those lines. And I just want to say I appreciate all of that. But can I say this to y'all, and I think you'll understand where I'm going with this. One of the greatest things that this church can ever do for their preacher is to pray for him. Now, keep the cakes coming, but pray for him. That's right. I mean, the older I get, the more I, I come to understand that I sure do need people to pray for me. Night and day, please, pray for me. If there's anybody in this room tonight that needs your prayers, it is me. I love it. When people come by to me and say, hey, Preacher, I just want to tell you, I pray for you every day. Can I tell you something more than you'll know? I appreciate your prayers. Occasionally, I'll get a text from somebody and say, I prayed for you this morning. And something, I always text back something to this effect. You'll never know how much that's appreciated. I appreciate people praying for me. And I said a moment ago, Paul said, verse number 3, I thank God and Timothy, I just want you to know, I pray for you night and day. But I made mention a moment ago of how close these two were, how Paul and Timothy, how close of relationship that they had. But if you really want to kind of, kind of get a, an idea of how close it was, look down at verse 4. Paul said this, greatly desiring to see thee. Paul said, Timothy, I, I just can't wait to see you. I just want you to know, I, I got a great desire to see you. And then he goes on down in verse number 4 and says this, that I might be filled with joy. In other words, I think what he's saying is, you know, when I see Timothy, I mean just something about that boy just fills my heart with joy. Paul said, I remember that the day that boy got saved over there in Derby and just a young fellow, and I've seen him grow and I've seen God call him to preach and God put his hand on him. And he said, boy, I just can't wait to see him because every time I see him, it just fills my heart with joy. I wonder if people say that about you. I wonder if people say that about me. I wonder if people, when they see me come and say, oh, boy, or if they say, Oh, brother, I wonder how much joy do I bring to people's lives? You know, some, the old saying is this, some people are a blessing wherever they go, and some people are a blessing whenever they go. What about you? I mean, are you one of those when somebody sees you coming, say, man, I just couldn't wait to see you. You know, every time just around you, being around you, just fills my heart with joy. And then there's sometimes you see people and you got your fingers crossed. You say, man, I've just been waiting to see you. I just want to tell you every time I see you, my heart is just filled with joy. Some people are a blessing wherever they go. And some people, whenever they go. But here's what I want you to see tonight in all of this. There are three things that Paul thanks God in Timothy's life for. And I want to say this. We've just started a brand new year. We're 22 days into this brand new year. 
And you know, back at the start of the year, in the first two or three Sunday mornings, I preached a lot about making resolutions, and boy, I hope you've made some. I think we all see the need to, to do better, and there's things that we can work on in our life, whether it be physical, and most of all spiritual. There's all, always things spiritually that we can do better. And I just want to say, as I mentioned these three things tonight, these are three great resolutions to make for a brand new year. I promise you that every preacher, and I'm one of us in this room tonight, every preacher in this room ought to set out as we open up this brand new year and pray that God will make these three things prevalent in our life. Really, every preacher needs these three things if they're going to be an effective preacher. Let me say this, every Sunday school teacher needs these three things if they're going to be an effective Sunday school teacher. Can I say this? Every deacon needs these three things I'm going to say tonight uh, to be an effective deacon. Every bus worker, how many bus workers? Every bus worker in this room tonight, if you're going to be effective, you're going to need these three things that we're going to talk about right here tonight. How many Christians are in here tonight? Every Christian. You want to be a success in these last days, pray for these three things. They're all right here in this text, all right? I've started them all with the letter T. Here are three things every one of us need in our lives. If we're going to make a difference in these last days, we've got to have them. Number one, Paul thanked God for Timothy's tenderness. Now look, if you will, in verse number four, and Paul said this, I greatly desire to see you. Timothy, you just bring so much joy to my life but did you notice right in the middle of that verse, he said, Timothy, the one thing when I think about you, the one thing I think of is how you've got a tender heart. I am mindful. Are, do you see it? I am mindful of thy tears. Evidently, evidently, just gathering what I gather from that statement there, Timothy was a young man with a tender heart. Timothy was a young man. You couldn't be around him long if he started talking about the Lord or talking about the lost or talking about the church. It wouldn't be long to a tear. A tear would escape his eye and would start down his cheek. wouldn't be long to maybe he'd just tear up. Maybe his voice would start quivering just a little bit. Maybe he'd get to the place he'd just have to stop and couldn't even continue on in his preaching or whatever. And he just got choked up and said, I just, I, hold on just a minute, I'll be back in a second. And the man, he just let some tears roll because he was a man of great tenderness. He had the ability to weep. Boy, I want to tell you something that's lacking in the church of the last days. Can I tell you something that's sadly lacking in the lives of many of God's people in these last days, and that's this. We've lost our ability to weep. Not a lot of tears going on in the house of God anymore. And by the way, it's one thing for them to go on in the pew it's quite another thing for them to go on around the altar right here. You think back, I can remember, I mean, I grew up, I've been in church all my life, and I can remember when altars would fill up and people would just be laying around the altar, and I mean, man, just calling out, crying out to God, and they'd be weeping and the tears would be flowing, and when they'd get up, the men would take their sleeves and wipe their eyes, and the women would have the tissues out. They'd be wiping the tears. The mascara had run down their cheeks. You know why? Because we had, uh, we had some tenderness in our hearts back in those days. Amen. I said this was a manual for maturity. 
You know, seemingly the older we get in the faith, the more tender we ought to be, but it almost seems like it works to the opposite. The longer you're saved, the more calloused you become. The more hard-hearted you become. And we're almost to the point anymore that we don't even weep anymore. We don't cry. We've lost our ability to weep. Somebody said the tragedy of the church of the last days is that the church is full of technology but it's empty of tears. When's the last time we had a, an altar movement around here of just people weeping, broken, burdened over their loved ones, burdened over their family members, burdened over uh, friends or whatever, a, a situation in their family. Man, they just took it to God and began to pray. And the more they prayed, the more broken they became until they just, I mean, man, it's like the, the, the Spirit of God just took over and started making groanings and utterings. I mean, man, they couldn't go any further because they were so broken and, and, and they had tears and tenderness. That's not the case much anymore. We teach our children not to cry. We teach our children, you know, big boys don't cry. Heard about this one boy playing ball in the schoolyard, and man, he fell down on the sidewalk. I mean, scraped his arms, his elbows, his knees. I mean, the blood was a pouring. And his teacher went up, saw what had happened. She started trying to wipe some of that blood off of him. She said, now, don't cry. She said, big boys don't cry. He said, cry. I'm not going to cry. I'm going to sue. We've lost our ability to weep. There isn't much tenderness anymore. Well, I'll tell you what, tears touch the heart. Tears touch God's heart. Something about the tears of mankind that touch the heart of God. I can't explain it, but it seems like when the tears begin to flow, it moves the heart that moves the hand of God. I mean, buddy, there's just something about tears that God, it just seems like it. When we, our heart gets broke, God's heart gets broke. And when God's heart gets broke, God's hand starts moving. Amen. I think about those, uh, that passage back when old Hezekiah was about to die. And boy, the Isaiah the prophet had went in there and told him in Isaiah 38, Hey, you're going to die. You're not going to live. Set your house in order. And then I remember how that uh, Isaiah left the room and, and uh, started out of the palace and old Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and started praying and started weeping and God stopped old, the prophet Isaiah on the steps and said, go back in there and tell that king that I've heard his prayer and you go back in there and tell him I've seen his tears and I'm going to give him 15 more years to live. The crying, the tears of Hezekiah touched the heart of God. Somebody has once said you can really tell a lot about a person by three things. Number one, what makes them angry. Number two, what makes them happy. And number three, what makes them cry. When's the last time you had a tender heart? When's the last time you shed tears over the situations that, uh, in your life? When's the last time you walked into a home and walked out and your heart was broke because you saw those children living in that condition? You saw those people living in that kind of condition. Can I tell you, I think we have seen so much of these days. We have become so callous. Our heart has become so desensitized because, man, we've seen so much on television and we've heard so much that, that we've just lost the ability, we've lost the ability to weep. And Paul said, Timothy, the one thing that I call to mind when I think about you, son, is your tenderness your ability to weep. 
Evidently, I mean Timothy just had a tender heart. I heard about one time this great meeting that was going on of the Salvation Army. And this was back in the days, I mean, when the Salvation Army was about, the salva was about salvation. But I mean, it was a great day. The, William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. He had a great burden for souls, a great burden for souls. And uh, they were having this big convocation, this big meeting of the Salvation Army, and it was as cold as it could be. Nothing was happening. I mean, man, nothing was going on. Nobody was being blessed. I mean, it was just cold and just routine. And, and so they, they wired William Booth. He was an older man, couldn't get there now. And they wired him and they told him about the condition and what was going on. And William Booth sent them a wire back that contained only two words, and that's this, try tears. Hey, when things get cold at the house of God, try tears. Hey, when things get cold in your Christian life, try tears. When things get cold in the Sunday school class, try tears. Hey, when things get cold in the choir, try tears. Hey, when things get cold at the Christian school, try tears. When things get cold on the bus route, try. there's something about tears that touch the heart of God. And Paul said, Timothy, I just want to tell you, I thank God for your tenderness. Well, wouldn't that be a good thing for us to start out this new year praying, oh God, make my heart tender like it used to be. God, please. God, would you please scrape off the, the, the hardness of my heart? God, would you please get my heart out of the cold condition that it's in? And oh God, give me my tears back again. God, make me tender. Paul thanked God, number one, for his tenderness. I want you to see a second thing. Come to verse number 5. Paul said, I not only want to thank God, Timothy, for your tenderness, but in verse number 5, Paul said, I want to thank God for your trueness. Your trueness. Look at verse 5. When I call to remembrance the faith that is in thee. But now notice, he used an adjective to describe Timothy's faith. And the adjective was this, the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Boy, that's a good word, unfeigned. We don't use that much anymore, do we? I mean, you know, we don't talk about something being feigned or unfeigned much anymore, but the word actually just simply means to be without hypocrisy. It just simply means to be true. Let me put it in Forsyth County language. It means to be the real deal. And Paul said, when I think about Timothy, I think about somebody who not only has a tender heart, but I think about somebody that just has a, has a genuine faith. They're real, they're sincere, they're true. You know, that's something sadly missing in the church of the last days. I mean, we've got so many in church that just aren't real anymore. They're one thing at church, another thing at home, and another thing on the job. Sing like a saint on Sunday and cuss like a sailor on Monday. Pay their tenth on Sunday and buy their fifth on Monday. You know, we, we hear about, I don't know about y'all, I know I shouldn't watch these things, but I'm, 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 in, I'm addicted to them. Killer shows. That's how I get ready to preach on Sunday morning. I watch them killer shows on Saturday night. But, no, I'm serious. But, I mean, some of these killer shows... You know, and what it is, here's an old boy. I'm just going to use a man. It could be a woman, but an old boy here. And I mean, everybody thinks he's one thing, but underneath all that, he's something else. 
And they call it this. They call it, he, he led or she led a double life. How many people sit in our churches anymore and they lead double lives? I mean, they come over here to church and everything is just wonderful. Oh, I love the Lord and I love Jesus and I love my church. And then they get in the car, drive out, drive out of the parking lot, start toward home or whatever, and it's GD this and blank that. And, and I mean, it's just terrible. Boy, we need some people that's got an unfeigned faith. Boy, wouldn't that be good to start off this brand new year by praying, God, God, not only give me tenderness, but God, give me trueness. God, don't let me be a hypocrite. And by the way, I know this. I know we're all hypocritical from time to time. There isn't a person in this room that had before at one time or another said this and done that. Not a one of us. Don't look down. We ain't praying right now. We all have done that before. We have said this and done that. Every one of us. And, and, and all of us in here at one time or another have been a little bit hypocritical. But can I say this? I hope that's the exception and not the rule. Amen. But we ought to be true. In other words, I ought to be the same person at Walmart that I am at 1175 Bethania Rural Hall Road, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, 27106. I ought to be the same person at 144 Foothill Farm Lane in Pilot Mountain that I am right here at this church. I ought to be the same person in this pulpit that I am sitting in front of a computer in there. I ought to be the same person in this in, 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 with my Bible that I am with a magazine somewhere. Hey, we ought to be true, friend. It's time to quit playing games with God and just be true. Be sincere. Can I have an amen? You've heard the old saying before, the reason so many are going to hell is because of so many who are going to heaven. You ever heard that one before? Or what about this? Oh, Gandhi said this one time. Gandhi said, you know, that Hindu, all that stuff over in India. But here's what he said. I would be a Christian were it not for Christians. Well, that kind of puts us in our place, don't it? And how many people sit in our churches week in and week out and they're one thing here and another thing out here in the world. And Paul said, Timothy, I thank God for your tears. Boy, you're tender. I love your tenderness. But I thank God that you're true. you got a faith that is unfeigned. And by the way, if you'll look there at verse number 5, he said, I, I know where you got it at. He said, it dwelt over there in your grandma and it dwelt in your mother. And Paul said, I think you've got it in you as well. Boy, isn't that, that's kind of that's a scary thought, isn't it? The same kind of faith that I have is the same kind of faith my children's going to have. Woo! That's, that's scary, isn't it? I mean, just think about it, friend. You're handing down to the next generation what you are. They're going to follow your lead. They're going to follow my lead. And God help us not to hand down some old hypocritical, insincere kind of a faith where I... One thing at church, another thing out here in the world, God help us to be true, unfeigned, without hypocrisy. Amen and amen. I got down in my notes right here, say amen right here. Amen. Let's be true. Paul said, I thank God for your tenderness. And Timothy, I just thank God for your trueness. It's sincere faith. It is unfeigned. Feigned faith. Boy, what a resolution that would be.
God, let me be the same person at home that I am at church. And God, when I go to my job and things don't go right and I get angry, God, help me to be the same person over there when things are crumbling all around me and, and I'm angry and I'm upset. Help me to be the same person in all that that I am when I walk in the doors of the house of God. Amen, preacher. Amen. Trueness. How true are you? What kind of faith have you got? You got feigned faith, that fake stuff, that phony stuff, that put on stuff. Do you put your faith on on Sunday morning when you walk in here? You put your Sunday go to meeting face on, and I mean everything's good and fine. You walk out of here and pull it off, and you got horns sticking up. Amen. Trueness. Let's be true people. Thank God for your tenderness. I thank God for your trueness. Well, look down at verse 7. Paul said this. I thank God for your toughness. Look what he said in verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Toughness. I don't know. God hath not given us the spirit of fear. It kind of sounds a little bit contradictory what I've just said. Tenderness and toughness. That don't sound right. Tenderness and toughness. But if you're a child of God, that's what it ought to be like. Tender on the inside, tough on the outside. I mean tender when it comes to souls, it comes to the work of God, but a backbone made out of a saw log that all hell can't stop. Well, I tell you what, we've got two minutes quitting today. Least little old thing comes along. I'm going somewhere else. I'm done with this. Least little old thing can happen. Surely you're tougher than that. Surely you are. Somebody says something you don't like. Hmm. Look at me. You know what? You don't like it. I'm, I'm just going to quit. Are you kidding me? Surely you're tougher than that. I mean, surely you got more about you than that. Paul said, hey, Timothy, I just want to thank God for your toughness. God hadn't given you the spirit of fear. Who do we have to fear? The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Why do we have to be afraid? Why don't we be tough and just, man, stand up and just whatever and just keep on plugging along for Jesus? Least little old thing can be said about us. Our feelings get hurt. We're done. Stick a fork in us. Least little old thing comes along, something happens that we don't like. Man, they didn't consult me. They didn't do that like I thought they ought to do it. We're done. Surely you got more about you than that. Toughness. God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Boy, Paul faced a hard time. You know, we're going to be persecuted, aren't we? In this world, Jesus said in John 16, 33, ye shall have tribulation. In this world, Jesus said, ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. You say, preacher, what are you going to do about what they're saying about you on the Facebook? i tell you what I'm probably going to do because I ain't reading it because I ain't on it. So I'll probably just get up and preach next Sunday. You say, but what, this person here, man, they said they didn't like you. You know something, I hate it. But I ain't here for them. You say, but preacher, you, 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 you crazy. Yeah. I'm a nut. Screwed on the right bolt. I think I'd just show up again Sunday. Look, you didn't save me, and I ain't serving you. 
and I didn't save you, and you ain't serving me. Surely we're tougher than that. I think about old Paul. Here's the words we have about him on one occasion. Watch this. Let me read it to you, and we're done. Paul said, Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. That's 39. Five times, he said, I was whooped. That's 200 minus five. He got 195 stripes. Goes on to say, Thrice, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. We know that. He actually died. God brought him back to life. Three times, he said, I suffered shipwreck. I spent a night and day in the deep, been out there in the deep, bobbing up and down like a cork in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the heathen, by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness and watchings, hunger and thirst and fastings, and cold and nakedness. Paul said, man, I have been through all that. And then if that isn't bad enough, he said, add on top of all that the care of all these churches. Can I tell you something? Discouraged? Yep. Depressed? I'm sure. Frustrated? You better know it. Confused? Of course. Dejected? Disheartened? Ten thousand times? Yes. Troubled? Tortured? Tempted? Yes. Quit? Never. What's it take, what's it take for you to want to quit? Surely we're tougher than that. Amen. Surely we surely we got more about us than that. So as we, as we head off in this brand new year, say it with me. Number one, we need to pray for tenderness, mindful of thy tears. Number two, pray for unfeigned faith. Number three, pray for toughness. God hadn't given us. If you're afraid, who made you afraid? The devil. Amen. Didn't come from God. God hadn't given us the spirit of fear. Amen. So let's pray for toughness. Can I have an amen? amen. Boy, I like him three things. Y'all pray for me that I'll be that this year. Amen. And I'll pray for y'all. All right? Let's pray. Father, thank you.